welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everyone, so since the time this podcast was recorded, we recorded it on Sunday night, I figured maybe we would be able to get it in ahead of time since there are no games against the Wizards, but uh, since the time we recorded, there's been a couple of updates and some new news about the team, Uh, most notably Kevin Porter Jr. Um, He is no longer going to be with the team, Uh, it is expected that the Cavaliers will either trade him or if they're unable to find a trade, they will waive him. Uh, this comes after Friday night, a situation that happened in the locker room after the game. Um, essentially what happened was Tarian Prince, who was recently acquired by the Cavaliers in the whole James Harden trade along with Jared Allen, was given Kevin Porter Jr.'s old locker. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. felt disrespected by this, um, had an outburst. Uh, according to the Cavaliers, or at least a team source, the move was based on seniority and spacing to adhere to COVID-19 protocols. Um, Kevin Porter Jr.'s mover locker was moved over to an area by some of the younger players or newer players out to the side. Um, had kind of an outburst in the locker room, like I said. Um, Kobe Altman came in to try to kind of settle things down. Uh, he wasn't able to. The confrontation between Porter and Altman was reportedly very heated. Um, so that was a, you know, everyone's been saying that that's kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back in this case, as far as all of the issues that Kevin Porter Jr. has been having and how much the Cavaliers were willing to put up with. This seems like a decision that was, you know, acknowledged by everybody, including, you know, all the team, J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, had a few comments just to say about it. Um, obviously, you know, Porter is somebody that, that needs some help. And I, I hope he receives that. You know, it's disappointing to see, but um, overall, he is—he's most likely done with the Cavaliers. Like I said, um, some news has been that uh, if they are able to package him with a big man, that is a situation in which we could see him traded out. Like I said, otherwise he will be waived. So the Cavaliers will take a cap hit for him this year. And they picked up his player option for him next year, so they'll take a cap hit there as well. Uh, not the most important thing. He's a late first-round pick. It's not going to be a lot of money. But um, other than that, uh, since we've recorded this podcast, we, or when we recorded this podcast, we talked a little bit about whether we would see Kyrie play. Um, recent updates have been that he is expected to play against Cleveland in these two games. Uh, that'll be the first time he's played in Cleveland uh, since his first game as a Celtic. Back in the season opener uh, of LeBron's last year here in Cleveland. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, 
I, for one, am surprised you'll hear later on that I completely doubted, you know, that Kyrie would play here, um, especially considering he didn't play against the Bucks. I thought that he was going to avoid this game in any way possible, but it sounds like he is going to play. And uh, finally, one last little update about uh, Delonte West, who we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, um, you know, just about kind of the, the struggles that he's been going through a little bit, um, how he was checked into rehab by Mark Cuban. And the recent update is that Delonte West is now an employee of the career center or the therapy center uh, that he attended. So happy to hear that. Um, he's now employed by the rebound therapy center in Florida. Um, like I said, West attended that facility. So really good to hear. Um, this is obviously someone who was living on the streets for seemingly over a year. Um, so, you know, we were really hoping that, uh, Lante would kind of help turn his life around and, uh, it seems like he's doing that. So just a positive note there to kind of end this little negative pre-episode update. So, uh, with that, everything else in this episode is still good. Um, think a lot of information will still apply. So even with these couple of things, you know, they won't make as much sense now as they did on Sunday night when we recorded them. But uh, other than that, I think it'll be good. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup, Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, and here with me tonight, from King James Gospel, we have Dan Galinsky. From across the Cavs, we have Zach Weiss. Zach, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good, Justin. I appreciate having me. How are you? I am. I'm doing well. You know what? The Browns lost, but we're doing okay over here. Dan, you holding up? Yeah, we're doing all right. A little bit of a slow week, but we still got some stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, both of the games against the Wizards have been postponed at this point. This will be going out probably Wednesday. We're recording this kind of early. But um, anyway, so yeah, not a whole lot going on right now. The Cavaliers will be playing the Nets. Next up, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, I just want to start. Zach, haven't had you on the pod to uh, give your takes on this Jared Allen trade. I just want to know what are your thoughts on the trade in general. Um, that can be from you know this perspective of any team, but uh, also the two acquisitions that the Cavs made. Yeah, so that trade was insane. You know, I'm like, all right, I I expected Harden to get traded that day from everything I was reading, and then it actually happened. And it's like, oh, okay, so he's going to Brooklyn. It's not Philly. Interesting. So Ben Simmons stays put. I thought Philly would have benefited more. But he's back with Durant. You know, he's also back with Jeff Green, who he's now teamed up with uh, three times. He was with him in Houston last year. I'm just happy for Karis LeVert that they got got an actual physical that showed that he has a a mass on his kidney that would not have happened if he was not traded. 
So I'm very happy he can now get some treatment, not just rush back into playing. You know, he's had a rough start injury-wise, but I'm happy he's healthy. From the Cavs perspective, I mean, I uh, I think Justin just uh, refresher. Did, did we give up any picks in that trade? Did they give up a future uh, pick in that or no pick? We gave up the 2022 Milwaukee Bucks pick that we had, which was going to be a late first, and then we also gave up a 2024 second rounder to Indiana. Okay, so that that's fine. So the, nothing in the immediate draft. The Cavs ha- still have some picks to work with for the coming years. I mean, I look at Jared Allen. You already have Drummond's, but we're going to get into that later. What Jared Allen brings you, he's a young guy, and I've uh, being, uh, you know, I'm in the Northeast. I'm not an, an Ohio resident, so I watch the Nets a lot. I have Yes Network at my house, so I love what Jared Allen brings as a rim protector. I think that he's really solid. We've seen him block LeBron before and block a number of stars. You can actually look at any star against the Nets. If they meet him at the rim, he'll block them, so this is a nice new development. Might be the Cavs' best shot blocker, truly, since Larry Nance Sr., so that's very exciting. You know, I think he's a great finisher, uh, you know, whether it's lobs or just inside 10 feet. You know, he's not going to do too much. He's about as effective a scorer as Steven Adams, but I'd say a better dunker. I just think he brings good value. He's young. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's versatile. He sets great screens. So that's going to be great for Colin when he uh, loves to get those mid-range shots. And real quick on Torian Prince. I think, and I, it's funny, not, we all talk about Jared Allen, Jared Allen, but no one's talking about what Torian Prince means. I think he's a good guy that can play the three and the four, kind of like uh, we hope Windler would be able to, and he can shoot the ball well. I think he's a good defender. And as we saw at Baylor, he, uh, he taught us how to grab a rebound, go up, put the ball between two hands, come down. He had more of those than us in, in, in reaction to how they got out-rebounded by the 14 seed in March Madness. And what I'm really excited about closing up his first games are against the Nets. Justin is that he's a good veteran from his years with Atlanta. I know him and Kevin Durant were pretty tight, so I'm curious to see if some of the things he learned from Durant in practice, if he can actually do those on the court for the Cavs. It's interesting. I, you know, I love. I, I'm a fan of both the additions. You know, Tarian Prince. I'm less excited about than Jared Allen, but obviously both of them I think are quality additions. You know, two guys who will definitely be. Well, I mean, I. Obviously, Jared Allen's going to be in the rotation, but, you know, Tarian should be as well. Those are both going to be guys that contribute to this team in a positive way. But uh, looking at Jared Allen in particular, um, obviously we know he's going to be a restricted free agent. Um, you know, this, we've been talking about this trade for a few episodes now, but we haven't really, really talked about, you know, what we think is going to happen with him in the future. You know, obviously, if he's considered a piece of the future now. I mean, he's 22 years old, but he is a restricted free agent. Dan, I'll start with you on this one. Um, and, and we saw Terry Pluto put out an article talking about, you know, just what he's been hearing about this trade. Uh, he says, what you know, what he's heard is that Jared Allen will, or at least presumably likely get a contract similar to Clint Capella, who Clint Capella is basically making about $18 million a year right now. Is that about what you see Jared Allen getting? Do you think it could be lower than that? Do you think it could be higher? Where do you think that uh, Jared Allen's contract is going to end up? Well, I think when you kind of consider Clint Capella, I think with with Allen, he's he's been a factor on um, playoff teams essentially the last two years. Um, this year, I think in twenty seven minutes, he's he's having kind of a career year, uh, if you will. I mean, you, you factor in kind of the guys around him with that too, um, which I mean doesn't hurt even without Harden around there yet, but. 
Um, I just think with him, it's what Pluto estimated. I mean, Hollinger said f- between 15 and 20 million is, I, I think, like what he said his sources have heard or something like along those lines. But uh, I, I just think with him, it's that's that's about where I would be at. I mean, I think like 17, 18 million is, I, I'm not saying like that's necessarily what I would think he should get, but um, I, I just think with him, I think he, if you, can if you fact kind of flush out if he plays, I mean just looking onward, thirty two minutes a game, thirty two to thirty four. Um, I, I think he could have better production than Clint Capella when he was kind of at his um, kind of ascending, if you will. Uh, I, I think Allen is frankly a better finisher inside um, in terms of touch. I think he offers more there, um, and, and realistically, I mean. It, I just think he has more physicality around the rim, and he's still somewhat. I mean, he's not the most thick guy in the world, but is offers enough in that realm. Um, I, I would rather have him long, looking onward than um, Clint Capella, frankly. Uh, I think seventeen, eighteen million for him is is about fair market value, just because um, one of the more efficient finishers in the NBA. Um, really at the rim in the is a diver lob threat but i just think we haven't really seen it a lot but i think there's been kind of i think he has more i guess i think there's could be some untapped upside as at least like a mid-range kind of shooter on the short roll i think that's possible i think he has more upside than clint capella frankly so i think that's about what i would think you mentioned like that seventeen, eighteen million dollar range is kind of you know, what you probably will get on the market. If you had to just put a number on what you think like he is worth as a player, not considering you know the circumstances as a restricted free agent, where would you value him as? Well, we haven't seen the I mean shot materialize yet. Um, if it were up to me, I think like uh, maybe thirteen million. Um, I, I guess thirteen, fourteen is. Probably what I would give ideally. Um, that seems about right. I think. What did, what did Christian Wood get? Was it three for thirty six? Was it? That was what I was going to mention. Was you know? Chris, I think Christian that's Wood about reasonable, kind yeah. of. In that, I think that's fair. I think Allen, frankly, is a better. I think he's more of a versatile defender. I think he's thicker. Um, Wood obviously is a much more polished offensive player, though. I think, but. Um, I think that's about fair, 12, 13. I think that's what I would ideally give. When I was thinking of this at first, you know, when the trade first happened, I was thinking, you know, what is an extension for him going to look like? I was thinking, and this was initially kind of in that 12 to $16 million per year range. Obviously, with restricted free agent HC, you know, if another team throws an offer sheet, um, you know, it's usually going to be a big offer sheet because you're trying to get the other team to not match. So yep. that is was get a little bit complicated with restricted free agency. Um, Christian Wood is obviously a little bit older, but in that kind of $13, $14 million a year range, uh, looking at another contract this offseason, uh, who was another restricted free agent, Jakob Pertl, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, Jakob Pertl is the same player as Jared Allen, but got, you know, basically with raises essentially 8 to $9 million a year over the length of his contract. So obviously, you know, Jared Allen would get a raise over that. But I, I think if you could get him at, you know, that $15, $16 million a year range, that's probably a win for the organization. Zach, where do you value him at, and uh, where do, what do you think he'll go for? 
Yeah, so I just want to add on everything you guys have said. Capella definitely got good value for what he's done. And now what we're seeing right now, it was worth the wait for Atlanta. They had to wait almost a year to see him in uniform. He's crushing yes. it right now. <laughs> Christian Wood, uh, Dan, I believe it was three-year, $40 million exactly. And he, oh, you're right. I'm no, sorry. No big, no big. So I want to get that out there. I think he, he had 24-18 and 18 last night, so unbelievable. And, I mean, yeah, uh, Jakob Pertl, one of the more interesting centers to watch. He's not a starter anymore. Plays about 20 minutes. He's not a great rim protector, and he's not the best rebounder, but I do just love watching him play for some reason. When you when you have a guy part of a Kawhi Leonard trade, you just love watching them play. I don't know what it is. You want to see him succeed to make that trade worth it for the team. Anyway, uh, yeah, Jared Allen, I'd say somewhere in the 15 to 17 range. It would be my max. You know, the Cavs are pretty lucky in instances where, well, Jetty, Jetty Austin's not a great player. He's a good one. You can look at his shooting shooting splits of 37, 33, 70 and be like, ugh. Or you can understand the circumstance of the season, and he's actually been better than those numbers say because he has to shoot a lot more times than he would normally, and it's when he overshoots that he's not as good, which has been what's happened this year. Allen, you know, is another young guy. By the way, with Allen coming in, he's a young guy. I think he'll be, what, 23 this year, guys? Garland turns 22 this week. Okoro turned 20 recently. Colin just turned 22. That's four starters under the age of 24, which is incredible, potentially going into next season with the youth. I just hope that they fill the team with some good veteran mentors. But yeah, they're going to pay Allen. 15 to 17 should be fine. You got a rim protector. You got another lob finisher. And I mean, you got a guy that's got winning pedigree. He was a part of several Nets teams that surprised and made the playoffs. You know, I was at one of the games where the Nets were 8 and 18 before making their playoff run with D'Angelo Russell and getting red hot. That was the game Alec Burks had the game-winning dunk. Allen was there for that. He's been a part of those those teams that weren't supposed to be there that were. He's been a part of he was part of a Nets team that only had Kyrie for 20 games last year, no KD, still found their way into the playoffs. You could say the East was weak, but they still got in. They could have been worse. So I think he knows how to just play whatever his role is asked of him. And I'm sure that in the short time he was with the Nets this year, he learned some good things from Steve Nash. Maybe he could tell some of the guys that uh, they could work on to be creative. Hey, hoopheads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, another good, you know, big man to have as yeah. kind of a mentor. Yeah. But um, looking at, you know, obviously I think at this point, Jared Allen is the center of the future for this team. Another guy we've talked about a lot in this kind of you know discussion is Andre Drummond. Another guy who's going to be been up with the Cavs. Zach, if I'm not mistaken, you have been a, a kind of pro re-sign Andre Drummond yes. throughout the season before That's, this trade, correct? That is correct. 
Would you say that you're still in that camp, even with the Jared Allen edition? Well, now it's hard because when it was Tristan and Drummond, it was a little different. Tristan was 29. Tristan was having some good days, but that's only because it was his first time as an offensive, you know, key piece. I mean, look at Drummond this year. You can look at all his numbers, and he's averaging at least two of everything. At least two steals, at least two blocks, turnovers, offensive rebounds, made free throws, whatever. His totals are 19, 16, 3, 1.7, 1.6. We round those up to two to make it easier. The four turnovers a game are because they don't have a point guard. He's had to pass more. But, I mean, he has been a beast for the most part. Look, he's had some really low lows. But the Cavs have won several games because of his defense. They won their second game of the season because of his clutch free throw shooting, which will probably never happen again. We enjoyed that for what it was, a one-off. I don't think they can re-sign him, and I hate it. He's only 27. He was looking really good. He's only played 20 games in a Cavs uniform, which is hard to believe. But uh, Justin and Dan, I watched the Cavs this year. You know, we watch all the games, and I've seen just so much overall improvement in the way he's able to defend the perimeter, whether it's, you know, he gets a lot of steals just reaching in, and even when he doesn't get anything on the reach, you know, sometimes it's a foul, but then he'll just get back to his post. I think his paint defense has been much better. His effort's not 100%. It's probably uh, all the time. It's probably like somewhere between 80 and 90. It's going to be hard to see him go, but I could see teams that need him. I don't know. Wherever else he goes, he's going to have to learn to just be the guy that shoots, gets the easy ones, and moves on. You know, what makes Clint Capella so effective is that he doesn't need anything called for him. I think he, I, I checked last night at maybe like 29 and 18 with four blocks. I mean, and he's only, he's a little smaller than Drummond. But yet you can't keep him. If they didn't make this trade, I'd say re-sign Drummond. He's our center of the future. He's only 27. He's something of a veteran on a very young team. So, you know, we'll see who, if he or JaVale gets traded first because it's going to stink to see McGee inact, basically. I mean, I guess so might, he might play power forward now or Drummond or Allen might. Who knows what's going to happen until Kevin Love gets back and Windler and those guys. But... It's going to be weird to see Allen off the bench or it, he's a starter. You know, he hasn't even coming off the bench for the Nets, but that's because they were, they were just appeasing Durant by starting DeAndre. So yeah. they got to trade him. I hate it. They got to trade him. I don't know if it's off season sign and trade or the deadline or assuming the NBA keeps playing because, you know, there is some uncertain the, the, you bring up the point of the Wizards games not happening. The Sixers game got canceled last minute tonight. There were two postponements today. There's mul- there's another Cavs one tomorrow. So let's assuming the year happens as normal, I don't think he'll end the season as a Cav. And if he does, it's not like Tristan. You can't afford to let him walk as a free agent with the numbers he's putting up. That would be a travesty to not get any value in return. Well, the way I look at it is almost you, you just kind of roll out the season with him and do just let him walk unless you really get an offer that impresses you. And, you know, especially if this team does trade JaVale, if they trade JaVale and Andre, then you're all of a sudden left with a hole at the center spot. I think it'll be a lot easier to move JaVale than it will be Drummond. And again, I think if this team wants to remain competitive, um, I had, you know, Jason Sunkel from, you know, the, the Who Pets podcast on with me last time. And he was saying that, you know, this is a team that could still be in the play-in mix potentially, at least yeah. with the way they're playing right now. Though There's a good chance that they tail off. But you're basically punting on the season if you trade Drummond at this point. So it would have to be really, really worth it from an asset standpoint. But either way, you know, say he stays with the Cavs or say he walks, doesn't really matter. But, Dan, I'll go to you with this one. Uh, you know, there's been quite a difference between – 
you know, the Cavs and Andre Drummond with extension talks up to this point. Um, you know, through the offseason, we were kind of saying high teens to mid-teens as far as what his value is. Obviously, he's wanted a lot more than that throughout. And I think he has increased his value considerably, you know, through, through this season as, you know, with his play up to this point. But what do you think Andre Drummond is going to get in free agency this offseason? Do you think he gets a contract north of 20 mil a year? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I could see it, uh, maybe in the 22 per range seems not out of the question, but you also have to factor in the kind of juiced up stats with the Cavs litany of injuries, really. Um, and I just think teams also see that, yes, he's the other day he got, uh, had a hell of an effort really, uh, with something else. Um, but when you really dive into it, the guy will have games where he gets 16 rebounds and he'll have, say, five or six offensive rebounds. Four of those are legitimately stat padding where he's just has the worst touch on earth and is just throwing it off the backboard and getting it back and getting fouled and then misses a foul shot and almost airballs it and then barely makes the other one. So, you got to read into it with a grain of salt. And I just think when you're an NBA GM in today's league and understand that he can't shoot outside of five feet. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. He can't like, can't do it. And in, yes, he gets steals. He, he gets some, uh, heady plays from rotations. He also gives up a lot of baskets. I'm sorry. Like, and honestly, he's not nearly as good of a defensive rebounder as I would have thought. There's a lot of instances when he just doesn't go for defensive rebounds. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the usage at the other end. But 80 or 90 percent is, I'm sorry, that's not close to what the effort has been. It's, to me, about 60 to 70 percent when you factor in all the games. And I'm sorry with Drummond. You know damn well, pardon my French, that he heard the talk the other day that I, I'm firmly convinced that's why he had the game he had. And whether people like it or not, what did the Cavs win by three? I mean, the guy is just not, it's just not winning basketball in today's league. And there's probably going to be somebody that pays him 21 million a year, but I'm sorry, you're not like, you could maybe will your way into like the plan here, like to an extent, but I'm kind of with Justin too. I, I, I wouldn't mind them, frankly, I mean, if they were to get something for him, that's fine. Um, I, I'm all if they were to somehow get a first round pick out of it, that would be great. I just I don't really know if anybody's going to give him a, give up a first round pick for him, frankly, because in playoff, get, like when has Andre Drummond done anything in the playoffs? He was in the playoffs. He's also been on the Pistons. I mean, okay, but the Pistons also committed a lot of money to Andre Drummond, and frankly, can't like pretty much screw themselves because. They paid Andre Drummond, who, I'm sorry, let's face it, he's not a guy that you're going to have. Like, they paid him like he was a centerpiece guy. And I don't even really know on a good team if he's even a number three. I'm just being honest about that. I don't really know how long this is going to last. But if you deal him, that's fine. But I'd be more than fine with just letting him walk. I mean, what kind of asset are we really going to get back? It's such a hard piece to move, too. I mean... I, I applaud him for what he's been able to do lately, but 
I'd be more than fine either way, but you absolutely cannot. And even if they were to sign him, like uh, like some people think that for some reason they should sign him too, that makes zero sense to sign him potentially and just like, like what is Jared Allen going to do? I mean, so the, the sorry for that. Plan is sorry for that. Sorry for that tangent. Somebody will pay him in short, but I'm sorry. It's not a worthy investment. I was say the plan is not to have Jared Allen coming off the bench next year. Right. I mean, that's all, not. all I was trying to say. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to push back against you a little bit here, Dan. Um, Thank you. Guys. I'm going to argue that he's actually a very good defensive rebounder and that he's done exactly as I expected on that. Um, obviously, you know, he does get a lot of offensive boards and those do kind of, you know, raise his totals when you count, when you factor in some of the misses where he gets his own rebound. But at the same time, I like, I, I, explain yourself as far as the the. There's also a number of instances when he doesn't contest shots and legitimately waits for the rebound That's to go fair. off the glass and gives that. up six footers that he shouldn't give up. Like I'm sorry if you really watch it hard and are objective, he gives up. He does not. He doesn't box out on defensive glass. He does, That's he what does I'm at. No, and that okay. quite frankly very much irritates me. That's all I'm saying. Because Tristan definitely get. Every rebound Tristan Thompson gets is all from his will. That's all his will. Wait, uh, Justin. I don't see that. With, I don't see that with Drummond. I just, I'm just being honest. Quick thing, uh, quick question yeah. for you, Dan. Uh, what do you make of Andre's full court passing? Because look, there's there's some bad ones, but then you have the instance of that pass to Lamar Stevens, which then set up the corner three, which was just absolutely to to Jetty, which helped win the game in essence. Points they oh, no needed. Doubt, no doubt. He throws those wide, but Ke- him and Kevin Love are the best duo for throwing those in the NBA. Besides, well, I guess no one else has two guys that can do it. It's like I, I love him for that. So I- I'm gonna miss those if he ever leaves, which he probably will at some point. Had to get that in there. It was left out. That's fine. Um, yeah, I don't really know what his hit rate on those is. It's, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's too great. I, I have to see the next gen stats on the uh, catch probability, but it's not high. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, he's really strong. I mean, strong as an ox. I mean, like Stephen Adams level strength, like that. Yeah, like yeah. But Love is. I mean, he get, has his get or go awry a little bit. But I don't. Drummond, honestly, I think just does it to kind of show off a little bit. I, Fair I enough. If you can, I just, I just, I'm sorry. I, I hate to grill Andre Drummond like this, but the more you really read into it, the more stat padding that went on in Detroit for, I don't know how many years. That's fair. And I just can't believe they lived with it for that long. They're the Pistons. I hate it too. I, I, I and sorry, Justin, we'll let you get back in here in a second. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But look, I, I watch a good number of Pistons games and when the Cavs beat the Pistons, it was probably the best win we saw from them. It beats uh, opening night. I'd say no doubt. It's one of the best wins we've seen from the Cavs in a long time because they were clutch they went on several runs of scoring eight unanswered points or more in not only the fourth quarter, but overtime. They dominated the second overtime. And look, the Pistons are a weird team, and especially when you're having a brand new lineup, so just to see that. But you look at the Pistons over the years, I mean, you know my issue with their franchise, and I know we're here to talk about the Cavs, but Flip Saunders only had three years, no, yeah, or two or three years as coach of the Pistons and then got fired because he couldn't win a title right then despite all these conference finals trips. Rick Carlisle was a coach of the year, got fired after two years with the Pistons. Larry Brown, who won a championship, was there three or fewer years. 
Michael Curry took the Allen Iverson team at 39 and 43 to the first round and got swept after a playoff trip. First year gets fired. They bring in John Custer who benches the goat Rip Hamilton. They didn't fire him for two years. They hire Mo Cheeks, fire him after 50 games. If they knew how to keep a head coach, maybe they'd actually know how to discipline their players to have not signed Josh Smith. And to understand that maybe they could have taught Dre a little better. So maybe with the Cavs, that would be a little better now. They just don't know how to keep a coach. And it's just like, I mean, you don't usually talk about this. Like Jamal Crawford played for like 14 different head coaches. Not No, this isn't any diss on him. I have nothing bad to say about him. But maybe if Dre had a coach, and Justin, if you want to jump in real quick, then we'll get back on our Cavs. If he had a coach that actually was consistent and there, and they had a game plan, and they had a consistent point guard, not Reggie Jackson who doesn't know how to pass to the post, maybe it would have been better. And he wouldn't have had to do it all himself. And he wouldn't have that mindset that he still plays with. And then you make the case of, you know, not winning basketball. Just one more one more note on Drummond. And They are um, far better when he's been on the floor. I'll give you that. I'll say they have been far okay. better when he's on the floor. That's and fair. you mentioned, you know, only winning by three against the Knicks. Only winning by three against the Knicks. Yeah, a million guys out. I know. When a million guys were out. So. Yeah. Jenny deserves some credit too, though, and I agree. Okay, Jenny, and he, he deserves a lot of credit. So does Dotson, and and Dotson has played some friggin' point guard. I yep. pardon my French there, but he has really stepped up. And I don't care about the shooting splits because he does not ever not play hard. Yep. So I'm not grilling him for that. I love Damian Dotson. That's a guy that, frankly, would be playing 14 minutes a game, and he has played his tail off. So yeah, yep. absolutely. All right, well, we're going to move on here, real quick. Actually, before we do Zach, yeah, I want to get your number on uh, what do you think Andre Drummond could net this off season? Yeah, so the high teens would have been understandable before the season because I'm, I'm going to quickly pull up on pull up his all time numbers here. So Andre came in out of UConn, and all right, here we go. His career averages are 15-14, one assist. He's up at three this year, 1.4 steals, 1.6 blocks. Two-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, although the All-NBA season was nowhere near his best season, so I don't understand. The All-NBA third team will never make sense. Once they got rid of the center position, it made it easier. Um, So I like that he's not trying to jack up threes anymore, despite what he did in preseason, which is cool. You know, free throw percentage, whatever. I mean, the fact that he's getting to the line and giving – anytime he even splits, they're getting a point from what he's doing. So you take it as long as he doesn't miss both. Overall, you know, it's a little hard to gauge his value. He's averaging career highs across the board through 12 games. Uh, right near his career high in rebounding. The assists is one away from a career high. The steals are right there. The blocks are in the – right up there. So you look mm, – I don't know what team wants this kind of high-volume center. The, the, uh, when I think of high-volume centers, I think of Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, even Yusuf Nurkic, despite being with Dame and CJ as a guy that I hope his wrist heals up. Uh, as another guy I see is like a high-volume usage. You know, maybe Drummond probably thinks in his head sometimes, look, I love him, but I'll be honest. He thinks he's he can make plays like Joaquin could the year he averaged five assists. Or like Marcus Gasol, who I think is a top top ten passing big man of all time, and probably the best one besides Jokic. Jokic is his own breed. Because before him, it was easily Gasol's the best passer. So he thinks a little highly of himself. Depending on who signs him, I could really see someone. He's unrestricted, right? Not restricted. 
Yes, yes, he is yeah. unrestricted. I could see someone going like a three-year 81 or a two-year 56, like a shorter term, and see what they get. Or I could even see a one a one plus one where it's a team option if he's willing to agree to that just to get that lucrative get me paid now. I don't know if he's trying to get a long-term commitment from somebody or just get the, I want to make this $28 million or more. Ideally, I'd say a four-year 80. Don't give him the the original Giannis contract was four year hundred. You know, I think that was Gobert's initial contract as well before he's getting this super crazy, terrible. By the way, Rudy Gobert is not worth forty million. At the end of the day, say what you will about Rudy Gobert, him and Drummond probably make the same number of actual highlight plays. Gobert probably contests more shots, and that's the big difference. No disrespect to the Defensive Player of the Year twice. But seriously, I mean, if he's making 40, pay Dre 41 because Dre actually impacts the game more than just standing around the rim and he doesn't halt the offense. He can actually decently guard the perimeter, probably like a four-year 80 or so, I'd say, to, not to bash the Rudy Gobert. I'm not on the bash Rudy train, the whatever, but pay, pay him like 20 million a year. <laughs> I, I would say for Andre, I could see him getting from a team – I, I could see him getting like twenty three million a year, yep. and if it's on a shorter term contract, I could see it being more than that. I think it, it, the flaws are obvious, but I think he has contributed to winning basketball in a real way this year. Um, and I think you know, depending on the team, you are going to be concerned about his engagement level where he's playing. But um, I, I do think that there could definitely be a team, especially with all the names that have gone off the market in this year's free agency class. I definitely could see somebody you know, sure. looking at him. As a piece that you know, out of out of the crop of people available, the guy who is most likely to put him over the top. So I, I definitely think Andre could get paid this offseason. Yeah. Definitely more so than I would have guessed before the season. Yeah, that's fair. I, I also just want to put in quick note: it has been 13 games, so well, let's for pump him. the brakes. Yeah, that too. Yeah, Bid on the All NBA Hall of Fame. I guess uh, <laughs> uh, he's a Hall of Famer this year, in my opinion. Uh, campaign for Drummond. I mean, I, I give him all all the credit for the kind of kind of gritty stuff, but let's we're gonna have to keep on doing it. He's also not. I mean, how how many good teams have we beaten? Have we beaten any? Philly. I mean, we beat Philly. With, I mean, um, they didn't have MB. He had everybody else. Really Philly, Philly. He's, yeah. had like a, he's had like an MVP level year. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Thus the far. best teams. Yeah, but let's just be so, honest with us. Really quick, really quick. Uh, you wait, I really quick, know. guys. You guys wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, also, yeah, that's also fair. Also fair. I, I just don't know if it's Drummond or if I give more credit to J.D. Bickerstaff for doing things like, uh, I don't know where he get the, got these ideas from, like, I don't know. I feel like it's it's like a, an episode of, or it's he's getting it like from like Goodwill Hunting or something. Like he's seeing it on a chalkboard, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. But yeah, again, good effort from Drummond. I, I just talk to me in three weeks. We'll see if it stays. We'll see. We'll be here to, to talk but about it. If I'm done. I'm a little irritated with the Drummond ISO and like yeah, like in and out stuff where Angel Grace like really keeps complimenting him for dribbling the ball off his knees. Like yeah, that's a little, a little bit. Okay. Austin Carr would never. <laughs> yeah. Godspeed Austin Carr. Too. Yeah. Is he not back yet? I caught, I had to catch, I caught the last game uh, on MSG. He, he's yet to return. He's yet to return. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. 
Angel Gray, I thought, has done a, a nice job. No, she has. Yeah. I, I really like what she says, especially about defense, too. Especially that. I like I'm, not, I'm not hating on Angel Gray. She I also just, played more recently, like, too, so it a helps. A little bit of love fest on Andre Drummond that, like, we just need to be a little tad bit objective as well. <laughs> What were you saying, Zach? Well, I was going to say, Angel Gray also is obviously on the younger side, so she played basketball right, at a higher right. level more recently. So I also think exactly. – and Mike Fratello is still an active coach. So, look, I, I, oh, Austin God, Carr's I my guy. Look, yeah, no, no, Austin Carr, Austin Carr, I met him. You know, he shook hands. I told him how much I loved his saying, said I appreciate that. He was a, re- he was a really nice when we met last year. But I, you want – this isn't a diss. I prefer his, his Austinisms to anything else. <laughs> Yeah. But Mike Fratello is also a co- still coaching a little bit, so he's right there on the scene. And I also think that he learns a lot just being in the studio as well. He d- kind of does all the roles. And then, I mean, it's hard for Angel Gray to kind of be critical because she's a sideline reporter yeah. and she's, yeah. the, she's the closest connection we have to these stories from the players and obviously the assistant coaches. So she knows sure. a lot more than she's going to say on air. But so I think if she – some sometimes you got to just – you got to keep – Keep some things in, and you can't be too negative, or you lose some of the stuff you get. And that's just it, it's it's as much as it's a game. Yeah, some yeah. of it's political, but they've all done a good job. I mean, it could have been worse. The Grizzlies don't have Brevin Knight now either. They're using the same uh, protocol as Austin was. But uh, right. I'm glad that we have a good broadcasting team. So I, I guys, yeah. we all look forward to these games every night. So yeah, that's fair. Dan, you said not to get you started on Mike Fratello. I want to get you started on Mike Fratello. <laughs> oh, I just can't. I can't do Mike Fratello, man. I, he is the most – it's just the most archaic offensive commentary on earth. I mean, if a guy shoots one three and misses it, it's – I mean, you might it might as well have been like a a meteor may, may, might as well have hit the earth. I mean, it's – it is 2021. You kind of have to shoot threes at times. <laughs> He coached the worst I mean, offense. How, how many games have we scored now that we hit 100 points yet? Four. Four games. Is it four? Four games. First three and the last one. Okay. Well, I, I that's all I need to say to Mike Fertel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. That's fine. Um, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland uh, should be coming back soon. We'll see them play against the Nets. Um, like we said, the, uh, Sexland, the Sexland duo should be back. By the way, I want to mention real quick, um, obviously, you know, Sexland has kind of been the adopted nickname, but we've also seen now, I think it was Garland in particular, yep. Larry Nance said he had talked to Garland, and Garland didn't like the nickname. <laughs> are we still going with the nickname, or are yes. we going to cancel oh, here? We're, we're going with it until the, until the, what, the FCC says we can, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And even All right, that. fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I, I just want to get your guys' takes on yeah. that. There's been a little bit of back and forth as to whether the nickname should continue or not. Well, the media can't acknowledge it because they can't use the word se- – they can't course. say sex because it's it, – it, it, that's what it is, but it's half of Colin's name. I mean, what's the difference? When I, when I tweet – They can say it when they say Sexton, but they can't say it by itself. Yeah, it's, but let me just say – and the most annoying thing is you guys know I, t- I do Colin Sexton Sundays every week. In order, whenever I go to the search bar and type in Colin Sexton, it says – that it says no results and also says you need to modify a result so you can view adult content or something. <laughs> I'm just typing in Colin Sexton's oh, name. God. It's come come on, no Twitter. That's that's <laughs> it's, it's excellent all the all all the way. And if Larry Nance Jr. likes Larry Nance Jr. is Mr. Cleveland right now. 
The Cavs are now a great season for the Browns. They're the last team left. He's supporting all the businesses. He's given all his takes. Every person in Cavs media has given him great interviews. Alex Kennedy, basketball articles, just did a great one with him. He could say whatever he wants, and we'll support it. We'll retweet it. We'll like it. We'll tell our friends. You see what Larry Nance tweeted this morning? And so, Yeah, he says it. I, I'm in. Get, get, get me Larry Nance all day. Yeah, I'll, I'll never criticize Larry Nance. Never. Ever. 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 But, um. Unless he doesn't shoot the ball, unless he that's doesn't it, shoot the ball, that's, 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 that's like a like Yeah, and, and, yeah. At the same time, that's just us wanting him to have some confidence. And he has, but him. um, anyway, anyway, yeah. Credits is great for telling Nance to shoot. He's the one that really pushed that home. I'll give him credit yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, another guy I want to talk about here is uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who is obviously with the team. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, he's, you know, back from his personal leave. Um, you know, he's been practicing. He could very well, I don't know if there's an official word yet, but play against the Nets on Wednesday. Um, Dan, I'll start with you on this one. What do you expect to see from Kevin Porter Jr. out of the gates? Obviously, it's kind of a hard question to answer because we just haven't seen him. But uh, do you think he's going to pick off where, pick up, pick back up where he's left off? Do you think he's going to get off to kind of a slow start? And if so, do you think that that's something that'll be last? I think it'll be West. kind of. I think it'll be kind of hot and cold. I, I just frankly want to see him aggressive, and um, especially with the the with uh, I guess S E X L A N D banged up. Uh, I I personally like to see him in in kind of like that de facto one role, um, especially with Allen in there. I think those two could be so dynamic, um, at least in these this kind of short-term sense, um, and or with JaVale. I just feel like JaVale, I feel like his dead timer is already on. But, um, yeah, I, I just – I don't really have any expectations. I just want to see him aggressive, um, both in the playmaking and uh, shot-creating sense. I think that we're going to see him being aggressive because, again, with Dante Exum out of here, I think, like I've said in the past, it's, it's going to kind of be backup point guard guy by committee. I think, you know, Dotson will continue to see, you know, some minutes at point guard. I think Kevin Porter is going to get some opportunity there as well. So we're, we're going to see, you know, what he really, really has as far as playmaking goes, you know, at that position. Zach, what are you expecting from, to see from uh, KPJ right away? Uh, well, I'm just excited that he's this close. You know, I've been following – we all follow him on Instagram. You know, he doesn't post a ton. That he's, he posted with Mello, I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that was good to see. That was good to see. I think he's got an Instagram for his dog uh, named Lava, so that's pretty cool. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him. You know, I've missed him a lot. We never, we don't know what we're going to get with Kevin Porter because he could be the KPJ that goes off on Miami or he could be the KPJ that commits a few turnovers in a row. You know, what I like about him is that he does what a lot of the Cavs guys, uh, non-LeBron eras can't do, and that's create their own shot. I mean, whether it's with handles or, or give and go, what Kevin Porter is just so versatile, and I feel like I haven't watched him in so long, I almost forget what he brings. I mean, we, we, we can go and watch old games, but I think what I'm excited about, Justin and Dan, is that you know he can score. You know, He's a very good passer, and I think that I'd love to see some lineups where they have a guard, whether it's Colin or Darius, then they have a Coro with Porter because I think that defensively that could be really nice. It'll give them some versatility there. And I just think what I want to see him do, I want to see him shoot the ball confidently. I have no expectations. I don't I don't even know what the rotation is going to look like. 
I, I, Doc is going to go from 35 minutes a game to dropping out, or is that going to be Jetty? Because there were a lot of talk if Jetty would get the minutes when the year started. Windler, I think, is also pretty close. They're all going to kind of come back at once. So it's almost like we're starting a new season, what, 14, 15 games in. So I trust JB to handle the rotations and, and whatnot. And I just want to see him be competitive and to not, not get dejected or angry at himself for one or two mistakes when he understandably hasn't played since March. A lot longer than the other guys had to wait. It'll be an extra month at least because he didn't do preseason, obviously not doing regular season yet. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, the kind of transition – um, from kind of just talking about some of the guys on the team. Bleacher Report put out an article talking about just like, and Bleacher Report does this all the time where they'll just do like one trade target for every team or one player that every team needs to trade. Uh, what they did recently was like a, a few targets that each team should, you know, be looking at at the trade deadline or just, you know, have on their list of players that, you know, they should consider trading for. Um, for the Cavs, they only had two players on the list. Those players were John Collins and Marvin Bagley. Uh, John Collins is making basically $4 million, a little bit over $4 million this season. He will be a restricted free agent after that. Uh, Marvin Bagley is making just under $9 million this year. He'll be making about $11.3 million the year after, and then he'll be a restricted free agent. Um, obviously, I, I don't expect any of these moves to be made. But just in general, uh, Dan, we can start with you on this one. Fit of either of these two guys, is there one guy that you like more than the other? That's, uh, yeah, interesting points. Um, yeah, John Collins is a talented kid. Uh, we know he's uh, really dynamic, uh, athletic, um, really does flies up and down the floor. Um, I, I just think defensively, I mean, I, I don't have the metrics in front of me. I'm not going to say I do, but it just it just seems completely clueless. And I just, frankly, would rather rather of the two. And it's not like Bags has necessarily looked good on that end, um, all things considered. But the the Kings are a mess. Um, they've been for. I mean, they had the one year. I think it was maybe two years ago, and they were halfway decent. Um, yeah, give them, I give them credit for that. Um, but. I would personally rather have Bagley. I think him at the four would be interesting, um, kind of a, a, a fit. I think I, I don't. What is he? Twenty two. I don't even. I don't have it in front About of me. In that range, yeah. I mean, Collins is young too, but I just think Collins on defense. It's just just completely clueless. I, I don't think Bagley is clueless there, and I just think for the Cavs, I think. I'd rather them kind of target like a combo forward um, in the draft. So I would rather have bags who can play the four or five um, just projecting onward is I, I think he could be kind of like a super um, like kind of bench mob member um, for them looking onward. I think that's kind of his fit. Whereas I don't really know if Collins would, I just don't think he would buy into that. Um, and I just think with the disaster he is defensively uh, and just how he really struggles in the interior um, and just has a lot of, just has silly fouls and, and breakdowns at times. Um, I'd rather be way more intrigued with bags and you kind of package um, Barnes with him, I, I guess. I mean, if with for love, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of what you'd be looking at, but I'd rather instead of Collins, I'd rather honestly just keep love. 
And that's something you can look at. And in the event that you could pull off a deal like that, I think you would absolutely go for it. Um, And one more quick note, just kind of with both of these guys is, well, I don't expect the Cavaliers to trade for either of them. There is a little bit of, you know, speculation around both of them. You know, obviously Marvin Bagley's dad taking to Twitter to request that his son get traded out of Sacramento. That's uh, Sacramento for you. Yep. Yeah, that's Sacramento for you. But um, John Collins, there's been you know some questions about his relationship with Trey Young. There's there's just a little bit of there's some question marks surrounding each guy. If you're telling me that Kevin Love for essentially Harrison Barnes and Marvin Bagley is on the table, I think the Cavaliers would a thousand percent go for that. Uh, I, I don't think I think that would kind of be how the framework of it would go. I think the Cavaliers would probably have to give up some draft assets unless. Marvin Bagley just continues to play terribly and, you know, makes his trade request more public. I don't even, I mean, it was his dad making the trade request. Marvin Bagley hasn't commented on the situation. So unless the situation really, really got sour and his value got that low, I don't really expect him to be moved this year. But, um, I, I would prefer, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I would kind of prefer Bagley over John Collins. Uh, Bagley is under team control for an extra year. John Collins right. is going to want a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Um, if you, when you're looking at Atlanta, there's not can I, really. Can I just add one more quick note to why I think that too? Yeah, sure. It's just because we're. It seems like they're going to extend Colin too. So that's that was what I was kind of thinking. Well, yeah, they're going to extend Colin. They're going to extend Jared Allen. Um, you know, well, kind of yeah. But what I'm saying is, you're going to have a lot of money tied up, and right. John Collins is a guy who's going to want a near max contract. I think in the event that you would trade for John Collins, you're kind of going to have to give up Kevin Love at that point just because you're going to yeah. need that extra salary. And you know, looking at it, I, I'm not really sure there's a great fit for Kevin Love in Atlanta. Um, maybe you could do something with like Danilo Gallinari coming back to Cleveland, but do you yeah, really want to deal with that? You know, I mean, it, it'd be hard from a salary matching standpoint right. to dump to to you know to get John Collins and also find a team to dump Kevin Love's contract to where you can get an expiring in return. So I just, I think that that would get kind of messy. I think it'd get really, really difficult. Um, Zach, do any of these guys and do either of these guys intrigue you? Yeah. So I've got a list of negatives on both. Uh, look at John Collins, you know, you talked about his relationship with Trey Young, but beyond that, uh, he's not a consistent uh, defender. He'll come up with some blocks, get some nice rebounds, maybe a couple of steals, but he's just one of those guys that is not going to be a difference maker in a two-point game when you need to get a stop. You know, he he complains a lot, whether it's about Trey not getting enough touches. You know, there's, there's plenty of other areas you can look at. And I also think he's just a poor decision maker. Remember his suspension uh, last year for the failed drug test yeah. after what one game and that was supposed to be his big year so you look at that and look it could only happen once deandre ayton had the same suspension otherwise deandre ayton is way better than he is no disrespect yeah. so that i don't like and look at bagley you know i think he's fragile you know barely been on the court i'm surprised he's been on the court as much as he has so far this year no disrespect it's just he can't stay healthy <laughs> That's too. uh he's inconsistent he had some good games his rookie year. The money he come back at the beginning of the year too wasn't doing too much. I think he actually he had a good first game, then gets hurt. Whatever. He's inconsistent this year. You know what has he done to prove he's worthy of more minutes? Nothing. He's not great at anything. You know he's not gonna dominate protecting the rim. He's not going to dominate stretches of offense. 
He's not going to be the guy that anchors your defense. And he's, what, 6'11"? If he can't anchor your defense, what's he doing for you? I mean, that's what a big, a big guy... He's filling up on the offensive end. That's what he's doing for you. <laughs> exactly. Because a big guy that size either anchors one side of the court or is an unbelievable shooter, and that's how they get their minutes. If they're not, then they just have to be extremely athletic, which I don't think he is. And I mean... You take if you, you had John Collins or Marvin Bagley. No, I'm talking about Marvin Bagley, but neither guy. John Collins is like six eight. He's really not even that tall. He's probably about the same height as Kevin Love. I mean, if you have a, if you can get anything for Love this year, I'd say take it. No question. I love Kevin, and we all do. But we've seen the way the Cavs have played in his absence on the defensive end that they could be better off without him. Make playing all the minutes. I would really wouldn't want either guy. I'd be cool with Harrison Barnes coming in and being like a super sixth man and playing 30 minutes a game, honestly, just given his pedigree with the Warriors. He played with Dirk in Dallas. Yeah, he's been on some very interesting teams. So I'd like a guy like that around the locker room. By the way, he has never, I believe the first time he ever drank alcohol was after the Warriors' first title. He had been legal for a little while already. And he would never, he had never had a drink before that. So I just respect his, you know, his, his strong, his strong will. That could be applied to a lot of other things. I mean, it might just be an, an obscure fact, but I, I think it's more than that. I don't want either guy. I mean, I don't know what the Cavs plan to do. And uh, whoever, do we know who wrote the article, Justin? Let me see if I can find that. Hold on. All right, real quick. Because, like, you look at both guys, and, I mean, they both had some good moments. And coming into the year, I was actually extremely high on John Collins. I'm like, oh, baby, the Hawks are going to be top six. They don't even have to do the play-in. Then you remember who's in the east ahead of them. It's like, oh, yeah, they're probably going to have to do the play-in if they want to get in. But, I mean, the Cavs win over the Hawks was awesome. But at the same time, I think that win was the beginning of their little implosion. No Bogdan and no Gallo don't help things. But the Hawks are a weird roster, and I don't think John Collins helps make it any more normal. Greg Swartz was the one who wrote Greg the article, Swartz, so right. the so, Cavs guy, Cavs guy. Cavs, yeah, so, I mean, I, I trust him then. I've, I've seen some interesting Greg Swartz tweets over in the last couple of weeks, not ones that'll make me question where his mind is at, because, you know, we all have those moments. You always want to put someone on blast without being rude, saying, what on earth are you thinking for putting that out there? Because we have the capability of doing that in 2021. But stay away from both if you can. I don't know what's going to happen with trades and Drummond. And obviously, we, we move past that to, to here. But don't get either guy. I mean, why do you want the last guy the Cavs had where there was, quote, unquote, daddy drama, father drama, was Kyrie. And it was on the way out. We learned that his dad was might have actually played a – we didn't, I didn't even know anything about his dad until the day he got hurt in the playoffs and we saw them join each other in the tunnel. Apparently, he was calling a lot of shots behind the scenes for a long time. So – you, you know, and you saw how that ended. I don't want to have to deal with that. Get, 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 keep the fathers out of it. That's why Lamelo's shining because all the, all of Pop's attention is on Yo Pelicans. You ain't doing that right, right by my son Lonzo. Like no, so you know uh, that's why he's thriving. She's probably gonna be Rookie of the Year. So shout out to him. Um, just, we don't need that. I will say, like I said, I think the John Collins situation is just a little bit too complicated. It would be really, really difficult to make that work. I will say, though, if the Cavaliers find and I think it would really take the situation really souring for the Cavaliers to even have it to consider. But uh, I, I would be more than happy to, to welcome Marvin Bagley to Cleveland. Okay. Um, obviously, health is a concern. Father issues are a concern. But uh, I think 
Cleveland has proven to be a you know more functional team with a more functional coaching staff and front office than Sacramento. So you know what? Maybe maybe Marvin Bagley Jr. would be happier in Cleveland than he would be in Sacramento. So uh, that's that's what I have to say about that. But um, looking but at I thought, again, I thought nobody was happy in Cleveland. If you ask, if you ask, yeah, the general. That's where everybody goes to die, right? I mean, yeah, that's where Javale McGee and Andre Drummond went to die. Look how look how terribly they're playing. Yeah. But um. (laughs) But anyway, like we said before, the Cavs play the Nets here coming up on Wednesday. I think that uh, this will probably end up going out on Wednesday instead of Thursday, just because I want to get this out before the game. So. It'll be a revenge game for Jared Allen and Tarion Prince. It's kind of cool that they get to play their former team in their first game with Cleveland. The big question I have to ask, though, guys, Kyrie Irving is questionable for this game oh, against the Bucks. It is yet to be seen if he will be playing against the Bucks. That game is coming up soon. He'll, he'll play. Will Kyrie Irving come to Cleveland and play the Cavs with the Nets? He'll- Zach, you say yes? Yeah, he first he'll stage the arena, which, by the way, good for him. You know, he's found himself spiritually, although he's been on some very... I'm not going to get into specifics. The Zoom call that you may have seen a picture of him in had some very, very... It's uh, just a questionable individuals with horrible beliefs in a lot of areas, so I question what on earth he was doing there. The off-court Kyrie has clearly lost a little bit of his edge, but he'll play. I mean, he's back. He'll be back. I mean, they got Harden now... Whatever this weird thing is, now he's got two superstars. This is the best team he's ever played on. Better than any, than the Cavs with LeBron and Love as far as just how they can tear you apart and win by 40 against anybody. I mean, he'll play. I mean, he he's a chance to play Milwaukee. Whatever's been going on, he's not going to miss this game. They got number 13, number 11, and they got number 7. I mean, th- those three are just... Unreal. I mean, this is going to make the 0910 Thunder look like the B team. I'm just, I'm amazed that they have all three. Cause I didn't think that uh, the Rockets originally wouldn't do that trade unless they could get Kyrie in it. Obviously things changed, but holy shnikes. I'm scared to watch the, the Cavs have the number one defense. How's it going to do against that? I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't even know who's going to play for the Cavs then. Maybe we'll get everybody back. But Kyrie will play, I think, by the way, prediction, so that they play two games with a day off in between, right? Yes. All right, so I'd say game one, Nets Nets will probably win somewhere from 10 to 18. And I think game two, the Cavs have a shot because uh, they'll learn some things. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, Cleveland, Henny. sorry, sorry. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Wrong you, audience. You ruined the whole. You ruined the mood of every single listener <laughs> of the podcast. Day. So you you can erase that part. Cut that part out. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, with or without Kyrie, I think the Nets probably take both of these games. Obviously, we'll have to see. You know how the new pieces mesh. How some you know healthy bodies get reintegrated. With that being said, um, the Nets are a very very good team, even if they are a disaster on defense, and you know are kind of shorthanded right now as far as the roster. Not saying the Cavs aren't either, but you know, the Nets did trade away a lot of guys, haven't really acquired anybody other than Harden yet to fill in the rest of those roster spots. So it will be interesting to watch. But um I, I think the Nets probably take both of these games. But especially if Kyrie Irving does not play, which I'm just gonna say right now, 
I'll put it at about a 4% chance that Kyrie Irving plays on Wednesday. And then maybe like a like a 18% chance that he plays on Friday. Like he could very easily just drag this thing out and say that he's still working his way back or that he's nursing an ankle injury or whatever the heck else. Fair. Dan, is Kyrie Irving going to play a game in Cleveland ever again? Is it going to happen this week? What's going to happen? I look at it like this. Hugh Jackson, when the Browns were 1-15, I believe, then whatever said, if they if we ever have a record when I'm the head coach worse than this, I'll jump in Lake Erie. He did jump in Lake Erie, but it was in like late May or something like that. So he didn't really actually do what he said he would do. Kyrie will eventually come back to Cleveland, but not this season. That's my take. Oh, wow. All right, I'll stand so, alone. I'm going to say he does next year when it's, like, so far gone. And, you, I mean, this is the perfect time for him to come back. I mean, there's not even really anybody there, but that's enough. So that's his uh, – he's going to hold to that spite, and I'm going to say he doesn't. One last thing before we get out of here, guys. Um, I was just kind of – I was just bored the other day and just kind of looking through some basketball reference nicknames. Have either of you looked through like I mean not every not every Cavs guy has a nickname, but have you looked through the list of basketball reference nicknames for this team? Either of you? I'm gonna for the Nets. No, for the Cavs. I'm just gonna let you take it away and see what Dan says because I'm I you know you you did some great research and you sound really excited and I don't want to take anything away by saying I've done or not. I'm just excited to hear what you have to say, honestly. Yeah, Dan, have you looked at any of these? I was gonna say, have, have either of you ever heard the nickname Outback Jesus for Matthew Delvadova? No, uh, I have not. Actually, there's a Facebook page, Church of Delhi, I've been following for about six years. I might have seen it there, but I've never seen it on his page. I know Clipboard Jesus, Charlie Whitehurst, he's irrelevant right now. Like, Darius Garland is Boog? Have you ever heard Darius Garland called Boog? No. <laughs> At any point. And maybe nope. that's just more of a personal nickname. Boog, Boog but, is the color commentator that we wanted uh, to get replaced in the last couple of years and did. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he was awful. It's, it's awful. Yeah, Darius is the real Boog, I guess. Have either of you heard the nickname Big Penguin for Andre Drummond? Uh, that, that, I can see that one, honestly. I can see that. He Sometimes he waddles around when he gets excited or, he, or he's like flaunting after a bucket. He just kind of just walks with his arms in his side. I can picture that. You know, he, you can do a March of the Penguins uh, video and you could Photoshop Drummond on and I don't think we'll notice a difference. I mean, and obviously there's some, some more obvious ones in there. Del, Matthew Delvadova also has Delhi listed. Isaac Okoro has Ice listed. Yep. Uh, Colin has Young Bull listed. You know, those are all to be expected. JaVale McGee has four basketball reference nicknames, none of which I have ever heard. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. Uh, Pierre, I know. I'm Pierre on. is one of them. That I see from Snap. I know his Snapchat's always been Pierre. I think I followed him way okay. back when. B- the big secret, I mean, his mom was a number two pick in one of the first WNBA drafts. He's no secret. Okay. Big Daddy Wookie. I mean, he's just – it's probably like how Brooke Lope, do you know? If you didn't know now, Brooke Lopez has an Instagram. He's had it for a few years. He doesn't seem like a social media guy, and he's just really funny. So there you go now. If you didn't know, now you do. It's you know, 
You don't have the list pulled up, do you? Because you've guessed three out of the four. Oh, I, I have, have the never list. I, I have the list. I have the list. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The Great Adventure. I didn't know that you could. Oh, wait a minute. I, I get it. I have one. Ready for this? All right. Uh, we're going to do a little uh, theory. They call him the Great Adventure because he switched to number six and playing with JaVale McGee is like going to Six Flags. That's quite the explanation. That's more than I could have come up with. <laughs> He's the Great Adventure number six. We didn't see that. We, I mean, you didn't check his nicknames before this year, neither did I. Unless we have screenshots of JaVale from before this year, there's no proof it didn't just get created. I mean, Six Flags. If I go to Six Flags, you can just go to a Cavs game and watch JaVale. It's cheaper. It's a better deal. Yeah. And you get more value. <laughs> better rides. You don't have to use a locker for all your stuff. And, you know, you don't have to worry about your stuff getting taken. JaVale McGee. Great adventure. All good points. All good points. Um... <laughs> Anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Dan? Dumbest rule in sports was that fumble. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. Yeah. It, it's, it's a rule that should probably be altered. There should still be some kind of penalty. It shouldn't just be another fumble. However, you should not be stripped of possession. I agree. I'm thankful that I've not had to watch my own favorite team have that happen directly. Although I couldn't imagine the reaction in the moment knowing what it was going to be. Uh, closing notes, I guess, is that uh, th- to see the Cavs have a defense like this uh, brings us back to the original Mike Brown days. And a note on Mike Fratello from earlier. I know Dan doesn't like his offensive uh, analysis, understandably. I'm not going to say if I agree or disagree. <coughs> I disagree. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. My throat's a little, a little, uh, a little sore, I guess. Um, but Mike Fratello during his time with the Cavs, as Dan and I, uh, when we, we did our 90s uh, Cavs pot together for across Cavs, learned uh, for all the good things Fratello did, he coached the worst offenses literally ever. So clearly, I guess if it's better than his offense, he's going to find a way to have people forget that he coached that offense by just bringing up every time they do something. Forget factor. <laughs> Listen to that podcast series, by the way, everyone out there, if you haven't, um, over on Across the Cavs, Zach put together, I did the 70s era episode, he also did one for the 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s, and 2010s, um, a lot of good content there, so definitely go check out that whole series. Um, other than that, thank you, Zach, thank you, Dan, for coming on, as always, uh, this was a good episode, this was a lot of fun, thank, um, you. thank you out there for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed, subscribe, you know, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, wish you hadn't brought up Chad Henney, Zach. I'm but, sorry. Uh, all the worst. Other than that, it's been a fun time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks as always. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got no taglines this time, sir. All good. Thanks, Justin. Next time, maybe. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.